Tonight, we are going to proceed. Now you are ready to invest some of your study and experience and questions because now you know the rubric we're using to how to study biblical parenting. You know that we are trying to help our children grow in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God, in favor with man. Right now we're studying wisdom because we just started. And in our parenting, we're trying to do it through the seven, six things we saw in scripture that we made an acrostic called diaper. And so we start off with discipline. We're going to go to instruction and perhaps we'll get to the A tonight if you are well prepared and we can handle things very quickly, unless you have a lot of questions, and that's okay. I am not in a terrible hurry. This is not a conference that you paid money to, and we have a limited amount of time. So other than the fact that your children are growing week by week and getting older and older. So we got to get on to it before they become adults. <laughs> so the first thing we talked about in the discipline, well, we understood what wisdom is. So wisdom is involving the hatred of evil, which is the fear of the Lord. Uh, which is why we have the knowledge as a, as a context of wisdom, knowledge particularly of the Holy One in Proverbs, and then prudence and discretion. So these are the four ways we're communicating wisdom, that we're evaluating wisdom. We want to develop them in our children. We want to see them grow in that. What does that imply that they're growing in wisdom? All right, we're starting at a one point and we're gaining. Right? Growing means that you're not going to just, it's not a gift that you're just going to go plunk and there it is. Uh, you might say, well, that's what God did to Solomon. Solomon prayed for wisdom and God gave it to him. Boom, he had it. Well, he had the wisdom to ask for wisdom. And so um, God gave him some supernatural capacity in there. It seems like a giftedness. But we're talking about growing in wisdom. And so don't expect overnight results. And remember, I started this whole study off to remind you that because you do these things doesn't mean that they're going to result in wisdom in your child. Because the child is an independent agent. So they have to decide whether they want to be wise or not. And if they don't want to be wise, no matter what you do, you're not going to be able to make them wise. Okay? They have to want to. Remember, we talked about that. Even God, does God make people wise? God himself, our Heavenly Father, does he make people wise, independent of our will? No, you have to ask. If anyone asks, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who then will give it. So even God does not force wisdom upon anyone. So don't think you can force it upon your child. But you can do what is necessary, what God has done, to provide an avenue for them toward wisdom. So what has God done for us? He has given us discipline. He has given us his word, instruction. He's given us all these things that we're going to be looking at, provision. Uh, so all authority. He's going to establish all these things. He's given us an example in Jesus Christ particularly, but even from creation on. And he has also always pointed to rebellion and called it what it is. So he's followed this model. We're modeling after what God's done. He's communicated. He's not saying, you do this and I'll do something different. He follows that own, his own principles. So in discipline, we talked about growing to hate evil, and we focused mostly on corporeal punishment. Uh, that is that when you do evil, I'm going to do this to you, and yes, your children will think that you're doing evil to them, and they'll say things like, I hate you, or you don't love me, or I want to leave, I don't want to live here anymore. 
Um, and all those things need to be redirected. And they're redirected not personally. Don't take that personally. What do we need to take that? Well, your rebellion is against God. We're going to talk about that when we get to R. Um, but we're really talking about the Holy One. That you're doing evil, you should hate your evil and not hate the person punishing you for doing evil. You should hate the evil more. And when they start saying things like, I hate you, or they don't want to be, ever be punished for anything they do that's evil, here's what they're communicating to you. They only love themselves. Okay, let's make that crystal clear. That's what they're saying. All right, so that's what we're talking about. Do I hate the one that's disciplining me, or do I hate the evil that caused the discipline? What is it that is in my heart? When a child says those things, I hate you, you're mean. Oh, that's the best one. You're mean. They're communicating something. They're telling you that they love themselves and that they love their evil. So we want to redirect that and get them to understand this is evil. God hates it. And this brings us down to knowledge of the Holy One and the, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning. What is the fear of the Lord? To hate evil. What you're doing is you're doing, you're not just disobeying me, right? Take it to another level. You need to take things to another level, mom and dad. And that is you are disobeying God. How are they disobeying God? They're breaking one of the top ten commandments. The ten commandments, right? The first commandment with a promise, thou shalt honor thy mother and father. Obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. It's the first commandment. So as soon as they disobey mom and dad, don't take it personally. Take it a step above you. Say you're doing evil against God. Remember, what we're trying to put in here, hating evil is to have a fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So this is the beginning point, and so we're using that discipline. How, what other avenues do we want? Do you want to discuss any other avenues to instill this hatred of evil in the discipline model? And that is not only your penalties, we focus on that, but also in your structure and schedule and things like just being a disciplined life. Any other things you want to address? Yes? You ever notice that the Bible doesn't pull punches? It calls sin, sin. Now, my wife had a Sunday school lesson. She's like, what is with this Sunday school? Or maybe a junior church lesson. How do I teach this? You know, it's about David's sin with Bathsheba. I was like, well, you don't skip it. We don't make David a perfect person. You say there's punishment that he had to suffer because, but, you know, he stole somebody else's wife. We don't want to get into the, the moral part of it, but we can get into the social part of it. He stole somebody else's wife, and then he murdered the man that he stole the wife from. And he lost, somebody died because of that. Uriah died, the Hittite, but also David's child died because of that. And what are we teaching them? Don't do evil. God punishes them. When we see that, we try to insulate our children sometimes too much, and we don't show them and let them see when, God, when people do evil, there's a punishment. 
And we've gotten a little, we've gotten so far away from that that we don't do punishment in public. We're not allowed to do it, are we? You see, our society doesn't hate evil. It used to. What did they used to do to murderers in public? Hang them high. That wasn't just an event that happened for like five minutes that only adults saw. Many times they stayed hung in the public square for over a day. Yes, your children saw men hung dead in the public square. What else did they do, even if you weren't a murderer? What other kind of punishments were there publicly? The stocks. We went to Colonial Williamsburg, and I put my kids all in the stocks, took pictures. It's not funny, though, is it? Public stocks, you're caught lying, you're caught skipping church. Sometimes you got put in the stocks. You know what that meant? How many of you kids know what stocks are? A few of you, one, two, three. All right, the Brahmin kids have been in the stocks. Do you have them at home or something? In the front yard? All right. A stock, they, put, they have this wooden thing with three grooves cut out of it. Here as we go. And that's a piece of wood. Your hand goes in here, your hand goes in here, your neck goes in here, and another one comes down over the top of it and holds you there. And you get to stand out in public like that for however many days the judge says. And everybody walks by knows that you broke the law. And they'll make fun of you, even children, because you can't defend yourself. Public ridicule. You know, they all say that children do evil because of peer pressure, because we've lost the positive peer pressure. That's not, you might say, well, that's not positive. Yes, it is. You do evil, you should have evil done to you. Okay? And we don't have to hide. I don't, you don't need to hide the fact that you need to punish your children. Don't be embarrassed and ashamed of that, of doing that work. It's unfortunate that you have to have a lot of discretion of doing it in public in our society today, but I would rather you do it in front of me than doing it something worse and be out of control in, in private. Um, but we need to let children be ashamed. If your child disobeys, it's okay to shame them even publicly. Oh, is that allowed? Yes. It is, a, it is a warning to others, and it's a recognition there is no place they can get away with this. Not at the restaurant, not at grandma's house, not at church, nowhere. And it's unfortunate. It is sad. It is um, horrible that our society today does not honor that. Because we don't hate evil. Our world loves evil. What are they hating? They hate wisdom. They hate the fear of the Lord. What did Israel have? How was Israel carried away and Judah carried away by their captors? Do you know? How were they carried away? Naked. How else? Shamed. Has shaved. They shaved of many of them. Beard and hair. How else? Chained. And that was all a punishment of God. So let God be your guide. Don't let your kids get away. Now, do you have to be discreet about it in public today or somebody's going to call CYFD Sky and turn you in? Yes, you have to be public. But in church, we shouldn't have that problem. Okay? We have a guideline for our nursery that you're not allowed to spank kids 
um, because we're trying to be sensitive to all this. You have to put them in a corner. You can do this, you can do that, but you can't do whatever. But that, I will, that doesn't mean you can't come into your nursery and spank your kid in front of me. You're not going to hear me complain. And nor should we be ashamed of that. Who should be ashamed? The child. The child. Shame is an important ingredient to hating evil. I don't want to ever have to do that again. I want to be ashamed of doing it. I don't want to take glory in it. Okay? Let's, let's push on a little bit in discipline in terms of what wisdom is and how, if you can really apply it more in structure and schedule. Now, what is prudence again? Self-control and not just control of your body, but also of the careful use of all your resources. Do your children have resources? What's a resource that your children have? Time. time. Boy, do they have time. They don't have to go to work. They don't have to fix supper. They don't, do you have to, you know, they got time. They got all kinds of time. What else do they have? Food? No, you give them. You're, that's provision. We're going to get to that. Oh, they have some money. If they get older, they get some allowances or paid to do jobs in the house. I always figured food was their allowance and a nice warm bed. What else do they have? What other resources do all children have? Energy. energy. What? Toys and clothes. These are my clothes. These are my toys. This is my room. This is my bed. Those are all resources they have. Prudence is I'm going to take care of them. I'm going to be a good steward of them. So what kind of structure and schedule should your children be introduced to at a very young age? Clean your room. Fold your own laundry as they get a little older. Make your bed. Yeah, brush your teeth. Okay, these things should be just standardized. Now, some parents will use charts and put a sticker on a chart. My parents tried that. It works for a little while. Um, whatever you're going to do, stick with whatever you're going to do. Don't keep dropping. Cause my, uh, and I picked that up from my parents because I knew we did something for a little while and then it just kind of disappeared. And that showed up in my adult life. I do things, I go in spurts, and then you know, I, I struggle. I, I mean, I can't take my vitamins on uh, regularly. You know, I take them real faithfully for a while, and then I don't for a while. And then I go, oh, what have I been doing? I haven't been taking them. And then I try to take them for a while. My wife, the exact opposite. Where did I pick up that behavior? It's not from, it's not inherent in me. That's the way it was in my home. There was a lot of erraticness. And so you're going to have to discipline yourself to discipline your children to have that kind of structure and schedule. They have time, which means you better schedule them. You want them to be prudent as part of being biblically wise. They need to take care of themselves, self-control, and their resources. So what are you doing with your time? Does that mean you have to schedule every moment of their time? Does that mean every moment of their time should be spent with you? No. In fact, I would contend that they need less than you think. To teach prudence, you need to give them the, re the, the ownership of that resource and say, go outside or go to your room or go and play. Not this, we're going to talk about that later, but prudence is going to be shown a lot in how you structure their lives to control their bodies. 
What is one of the earliest things you do with infants to help them learn to control their bodies? Sleep schedule. We're going to get to this when we get to stature. We're going to revisit all this. Sleep schedule isn't just about their physical well-being. It's about getting in patterns of life and recognize that patterned life produces emotional, I was going to use that word, affection uh, are more controlled. A tired child has a hard time controlling their feelings. Whenever a child starts showing feelings, I know they're tired. Here's a child, whoa, over the littlest thing. Oh, you need a nap. One of my favorite psychologists, child guy, writes in the newspaper, that's his solution. The doctor says you're not getting enough sleep, so you're going to go to bed every time you have this behavior. Um, but we want to teach them to schedule, and that means you're going to have to discipline yourself to do that. We're going to go to bed at this time. We're going to get up at this time. Um, we're going to schedule you, and then you're going to play. This is your playtime. You go outside and play. Now, as they get older, what do you have to have monitored? What do they have to monitor? What are they doing with their body while they're outside? Are they breaking things? Are they destroying? Are they hurting people? Are they hurting animals? Things like that. That's all under prudence. Do I have control? Do I recognize things that are evil? And I keep my body and my things from doing things that are evil. Prudence says I want to bring it under control. I want to make wise use of my time, wise use of my energy. Children, I want to tell you something. You have something that I want so desperately. I used to have it, but now I don't have very much of it, and that's energy. You know, have you watched old people get out of a chair? What do they look like? They're slow, they're groaning. Sometimes it even looks like it hurts them just to stand up. Okay, maybe your parents are already starting to display some of that. <laughs> That's because we don't have the energy. It takes so much work. We got a lot of mass sometimes at that age. And it just, it does hurt. We can't just jump up and run. You know, you can come grab grandma or grandpa's hand, but they aren't going to run down the hall with you, are they? Do they run down the hall with you? No, you're going to have to run ahead, and run back and get them, run ahead, and I take them to the park as they go run. I don't need to run. I used to be able to run with them. My children I ran with, but not my grandkids. I don't run with them. Okay, I had someone babysit my children who was a grandpa, and he tried to run with my kids. They ended up taking them to the emergency room because my kids broke him. Pastor Johnson. Okay, Entirely my children's fault. Okay, no. <laughs> okay, prudence means I'm going to bring these things under control. Parents, by providing structure, a schedule, um, you're helping them learn how to control themselves. Uh, how else? How else are we teaching prudence? Control your resources. Use them wisely. Use them carefully. All right. We're going to get to that more under provision in a little bit, but um, limit their resources because just learning to control your body and your time and your energy is a huge step. To have a whole bunch of other resources to, to try to manage um, is going to be difficult for them. And so we limit that. All right? And so if they have a, if they have a bottomless pit of toys, how are they going to treat any one of them? 
there's no reason to be careful with your toys because there's an unlimited supply of them. When we got foster kids coming in who kept getting an unlimited supply of coats, guess what happened to the coats and backpacks? They just, I don't know where they are, lost it today. Give me another one. Because there's an unlimited supply in their mind, there's no reason to be prudent. And once, one of the first things we teach them is, well, that's your last one. Now you're going to have to go without it. You're going to have to, you know, wear this. I'm not going to buy you another coat. I'm not buying you another backpack. And suddenly, they realize, I need to take care of this because there's not an unlimited supply. So how you provide for them also teaches prudence. We're going to get more of that when we get to provision. But in their discipline, you need to help them control this and give them fewer things to control and then hold them accountable for that. Hold them accountable in their discipline. Use a chart, use a schedule, whatever, and they might be doubling this back on you, and that's okay. Hey, this is my time. for. They're not in control. You are. But you're giving them that responsibility to be prudent with who they are, their energy, their time, their resources, okay? Um, there's a general that was asked to speak at a graduation and his things on YouTube, and he got in front of them and he told them his, his, his advice. He said, get up in the morning and make your bed. And they all laughed, and he's like, no, I'm deadly serious. You have to get up in the morning and make your bed so that as soon as you get up, you have accomplished something in your life, and that leads to a life of accomplishing things all day long. Spiritually, I would completely agree with him, wouldn't you? Get up in the morning, pray, read your Bible. Why? Because now you've accomplished something. You've set your tone for your life, for your day. And you do that every day, and you discipline yourself, that's going to benefit you. You're going to be successful. Okay? Those kinds of disciplines. Now, my wife didn't think I was a disciplined person at all. All right, because I left all my clothes in these piles. But she didn't understand the discipline of my discipline. That those piles were very carefully coordinated. They were called tweeners. They weren't dirty, but they weren't clean. So I was going to wear them again, and, I, I, and these are tweeners today. Okay, I wore these about four weeks ago, but I changed right after church. I didn't get them dirty, so I was like, I'm going to put them on the thing. They've been on the thing, but I didn't want to wear them two weeks in a row because you guys would say he's wearing the same clothes every week. And so I hear that tonight, these are going into the laundry. They're not tweeners anymore because I've been worn twice. You really didn't want to know that about my pants, did you, today? But she'd understand that. She just thought I was a slob and left my clothes laying around. No, I had them all carefully arranged and, and knew what I was trying to do to limit, to help her. I wanted to help her and produce less laundry. And then I found out the owner of Levi's doesn't wash his jeans ever. He says you should just brush them off. But it's not good to wash jeans. Think about that one. Anyway, we want to discipline our children to have prudence. What about disciplining them to have a knowledge of the Holy One? How do you use discipline to do that? Yeah, we're not going to be in the penalty area, are we? We're not punishing them so that they know God better. That's so that they hate evil and are fear of the Lord. But a knowledge, to increase in the knowledge in the discipline of the of the Holy One, um, they should be involved in consistently doing something with God's Word, is my contention. Why do we have Word of Life clubs and Sunday school and those things? Consistency. 
You want to say, why aren't my children? Because they're not consistently in God's word. They're not consistently at where life club. They're not consistently in science school. not consistent there. And it makes it really hard for them to understand this is an important thing. Do I have to increase in the knowledge of God? Well, discipline, lifestyle, and structure is critically important in that very early. Okay? They, you know what? Um, we have charts for children to go put their stickers on when they come. My wife uses them in Word Life Clubs for lambs. I think she uses them in her Sunday school class too. I'm kind of thinking I need to have one in my Sunday school class for the nursery. Um, because I th- Not because Levi can see that he's been there and Hannah and I can see if he's missed a week, but so mom and dad can see that their children aren't consistently there if they're not. Because they're dependent upon you to bring them. You need to have them consistently there. Then they understand not only that they're increasing the knowledge of God, but in the importance of that knowledge. This is important. This is important to my mom and dad. Remember, what's important to you becomes important to them. How else do we use discipline to increase their knowledge of the Holy One? Very important. Read to them. What, depends on what you're reading. <laughs> okay. You're going to read, and not just the Bible. Okay? I, I read other things as well, and I encourage my children to become readers. And we try to fill our house with good volumes. Um, I, I have them read Shakespeare and things like that, but I also have them read devotionals. I have them read um, biographies and autobiographies of Christian men and women. Um, and even Christian historical novels, and even other things that are, that are Christian, but they're completely a novel. Um, and so we want to read to them. Critically important. Okay? They have too much input that is not about from the Holy One. They have huge amounts of input whose source is not God. The source of most of their input is evil men. Then we wonder why they love evil. Source their input. Okay? Good. How else do we use discipline for the knowledge of the Holy One? I have a, I have a simple question I just want to ask you, because it's on my list, so I want to make sure we cover it. <laughs> Is God the God of order or chaos? Thank you. Okay, I was starting to worry. <laughs> well, they don't know. <laughs> God is the God of order. Out of chaos, he brought forth order. The evidence of the presence of the Holy Spirit is self-control, is order. And so, I want to teach my children that God loves order. He's designed it into creation itself. And they need to pursue order in their life. Now, are children chaotic? Are they a chaotic element in your home? Yes. The problem in our, most of our homes, though, today is that the chaos is being introduced by adults. Believe it or not, your children thrive on structure. We're going to keep visiting this over and over again because we're going to come to discipline at every four levels. Your children thrive on structure, and they need to know that that is a godly thing. 
I was raised cleanliness as next to godliness. How many of you heard that? How many children have heard that? Have you ever heard someone tell you cleanliness is next to godliness? Elizabeth, you ever heard that? Benjamin, you're the oldest one of the children. Have you ever heard that? Ms. Espinosa, have you ever heard that? Where did you hear that from? Huh. It's because she lives in my home now. <laughs> cleanliness is next to godliness. What is this bathroom looking like? Okay. I just picked the bathroom. I could have picked any room. Now, why don't your children know that saying? Well, it's old, Pastor. So is the Bible. Your children need to understand that when they have an ordered life and a clean room, that God is pleased by that. Because it's God-like. God loves order. He loves cleanliness. Uh, look at the temple. What was the situation in the temple? What happened if you did things not quite in order? You die. You go in there and you start fooling around with just doing things out of order. God strikes you dead. Ask Eli's boys. His sons were dead. Ask um, Aaron's sons that went in and burned their own incense instead of the incense that God ordered. Okay, this isn't just about obedience. This is about there's, there, are, there are purposes. You don't have to understand the purpose of order to replicate it and to be benefited by it. Okay? Usually those in authority over you have thought about the order of things and then you just do, you, well, I learned to do these things in this certain order. And we all do that in some areas, whether it's cooking or whatever. We learn from whoever taught us. You do these in this order and, and that's how we've always done it. Well, there's benefit there. Maybe you don't understand the benefit and it's worth investigating. I'm not telling you not to investigate that as you grow older but there is benefit to that order. Your children need to know these things. They need to know that, that this is what God is like. God wants you to be clean. So who doesn't want you to be clean? The devil. And, it's, and your children need to be confronted with that on a disciplined level of their structure and the schedule. Um, how many of you heard... Idle hands are the devil's workshop. Raise your hand if you've ever heard that before. Benjamin, have you ever heard that before? Elizabeth, Talitha, Charlotte, Daniel. Idle hands are the devil's workshop. That's another old saying. Why did we have all those sayings? Because these are all developed by parents trying to teach Truths, virtues to children. But our children today don't know any of these because the parents don't communicate them. We have dropped the ball. All those old sayings had a purpose. In fact, we have something called a book of virtues. Have any of you know about the book of virtues? Okay, Elizabeth, do you know about the book of virtues? Do you have one in your home? No, but you've heard of it. We, and it's all about trying to teach children and young people things that are godly, virtuous. 
And so it's okay to use these old phrases and use them frequently because they were designed to instruct children on what the Holy One expects. So idle hands are what? Are the devil's workshop. Do you want to be employed by the devil by sitting around and wasting your time doing nothing or doing silly things or using your mind to do? Or do you want to be productive? Do you want to build stuff and make stuff and clean stuff and raise stuff? And, and that's working hands, hands that are doing things, active and producing, helping the family by milking the goat and by using that, learning how to use that sickle and cut the hay. I don't know, that's weird, but that's my house. All right, and so your house is probably something different. Do you want to be useful or you want to be useless? God wants you to be useful. You're going to have to structure your life a little bit more. Don't be afraid to use these disciplines to teach godliness. God like, what does God like? Knowledge of the Holy One. All right, let's move on. We're not going to get to... A, what am I kidding? We're going to start. I's going to go a lot quicker. Discretion. How do we teach children discretion as part of wisdom through discipline? All right. Now, here we kind of abandoned punishment through prudence and knowledge of the whole. We're not really using punishment here, but it's coming back here. Remember, what is discretion? Saying or doing or being in the right place at the right time. All right, kids are indiscreet. What happens when your child is indiscreet and says something out of place? Now we're back to penalties. Not because it is evil, but because it's indiscreet. They might even be saying something true, even something good. But they're saying it to the wrong person at the wrong time, with the wrong voice, um, and, and that makes it wrong. And so we treat their discipline differently for indiscreet acts than we do for evil acts. Do you understand the difference? So if your children, child comes up to you while talking to me and interrupts, that's indiscreet. It's rude. All right? It is showing that they don't care about you, they don't care about the person you're talking to, if it happens to be me, and that is an indiscretion. What do we do about that indiscretion? We smack them? Is it an evil thing? They're coming up to tell you that Johnny just cut off his finger. My sister just stubbed her toe. Well, you interrupt him. I, I wanted to get less dramatic. So, my, so you, Now, what are they usually interrupting you for? All right, if it's Daniel Gonzalez, yes. Look at this, look at this, look at this. If I spend an hour with little Daniel Gonzalez, I have to look at 50,000 things, okay? And I start making fun of him pretty soon. And I tell him, no, I'm not going to look at it. No, I'm not going to look at it. Because it's indiscreet. He's got to learn to be discreet about this. And if he wants me to look at something, it better be something very cool or really important. Okay? Now, if I tell him to look at something, he better jump to it and look. Why? Because I'm discreet. I'm not going to tell him to look at every little bug. Look a bug. Look a bug. I'm not going to do that because I'm discreet. But neither am I going to get mad at him and throw him because he's just exploring the world. He just doesn't need me to sit there and watch what he's watching. He can watch it without me. So we're going to teach discretion through sometimes penalty. I'm going to ignore you. I'm going to push. I've seen you guys do this 
whether you do it consciously or unconsciously, you just ignore them and you push them away. Usually they're coming to you say, can I have? They usually want something. Or tattling. Sister, brother, did this. Okay, sometimes they're tattling on me. You know what Pastor did? I don't care. You're indiscreet. Is it wrong for them to tell you what's going on in their life? Not really, but it doesn't need to be done then. You can tell me what you want when it's convenient for me. But they're selfish. Selfishness underlies indiscretion many times. My needs come first. My needs come first. And so we're trying to address selfishness. That's really the evil that we want to get rid of. And it just shows itself as indiscretion. But sometimes the truth needs to be said, but it needs to be said in the right way, at the right time, to the right person. Okay? And so we want to teach discretion. All right? And sometimes that means sit down right there and don't say a word because you've been so disruptive to my conversation and then you need to have the conversation. Said, so, you know, that's really rude and selfish of you. And those are problems. But even if it was something important, because you keep doing this, now you've endangered yourself. How many of you know the story of the boy who called Wolf? Hey, you all know the story of the boy who called Wolf. That is a story to teach you to be discreet. What happened to the boy who called Wolf? Oh, he died. You know why? Because he kept going and saying, ah, ah, and they kept, mommy, 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 mommy. I know it was the city people he was talking to, but he just was bored, or he just wanted something. And he goes to the village and says, ah, wolf, 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 and they all come out there and says, ha, ah, ha, here you all are, paying attention to me, 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 me. And you know what the indiscreet person does pretty soon? Even when it's important, no one listens to you. Is that what you want to happen in your life? The story the boy will call wolf is to teach you discretion to, to only talk when you have something important to say. And then when he had something important to say, nobody listened to him and he died. He was eaten by a wolf. Maybe they changed the story. They changed the story of the three little pigs too and they don't get eaten and Goldilocks too. They changed that story, not Goldilocks. Um, read a Little Red Riding and they changed that story too and nobody gets eaten. It ruined all those good stories who are trying to teach discretion to children. Okay? So we need to be involved in that in penalizing it consistently and communicating to them why and then setting up a structure to help them understand discretion. When is the right time to ask mom or dad for something? Go ahead, tell me. When they are available, especially if it's not something important, when they're in a good mood, right? That's important. And it's okay to have them tell you no and without you pouting, correct? Because they know what's best for you. And you want to please God by responding to them. So discretion is about saying the right thing, the right time, the right people, with the right attitude. Okay? And so we need to start teaching that to our children because we want them to grow in wisdom. So that's discipline. Let's go on to instruction. Yes, go ahead. 
Well, that motivation, I mean, <laughs> now, why they do things we can't address yet. That's the heart, all right? Um, do you think there's a lot of people that went to the temple and offered sacrifices with the wrong motives? Yes. Did God know the difference? Yes, and you know the difference. Okay, you can tell the difference in a child, whether they want to be pleasing to God and want to be pleasing to their parents or whether they're just self-serving. You can tell those differences. So did God punish them right away? All Israel sacrificed at Passover, did their sacrifice. What did God say they were worth? Nothing. You're not getting, you're not fooling me. You're only fooling yourself. Okay, and so we um, need to challenge motives as they grow older and older and they'll be exposed more and more and challenge why they're doing what they're doing. But if they're being obedient and you call it sneaky because they're going to not tell you what's going on kind of things, that what you're talking about? Because this is my sneakiest child of all my children right there. Correct. And again, this is built on this. Okay? These all come together. You, want, you can't just say, I'm going to work on this now, and I'm going to work on this. These are all, this is built on this. So now I go back to deal with the evil that's in your heart. Are you only doing these things to get your evil of your own wicked way? All right? And so we... We're not absolved of that. Okay? When it comes to instruction, let's, I know I only got three minutes, but I want to get started on it because we don't have next week. So what is, we want to instruct them in wisdom. This should be a lot easier. We could go through it pretty quickly because it's, I think, more cut and dry for us. I thought discipline was a little harder to apply, but instruction, I don't think, is very hard to do. How do you instruct them to hate evil? We already talked about a lot of the things, right? How was Israel told to instruct their children to hate evil? Instruction is just communicating knowledge, information. Write it on the doorposts, which could be even on their discipline as well. Write it on their doorposts. Put it on the frontlets of their, of their they, they wore a little thing with a little box right here that had the law inscribed that they wrote. So they would write the Ten Commandments, put it in a little box, and wear it on their head. So that there would go, the law would be in front of them, right between their eyes. Okay? Um, write it on the doorposts. Put it out there. Instruction isn't just verbal. Right? How do we instruct our children? Living it, by example. We'll get to that later, but we'll, get, we'll put that in there. How else do people learn? Their people learn in several avenues. What are they? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Daniel, how do people learn? How do you learn something? Read it. Say it. Write it. Hear it. They have been drilled on that whenever they come to my house. Read it, say it, 
write it, hear it. Those are your four avenues of instruction. We could add do it in that. I don't mind you if you want to add do it. But in terms of knowledge, it's sometimes hard. there's sometimes knowledge they don't have to do. They just have to learn. Hear it, read it, say it, write it. You might say, oh, they're, not, they're pre-readers. Then read it to them and help them draw a picture of it. That's what we do in our Word of Life quiet times. We're trying to help them do those four things. Read it, write it, say it, hear it. I've always encouraged children to read out loud. I still do it with adults. Read it out loud. Help your, you say it, you hear it, you're reading it. What's left? Write it down. You want to copy it. All right? So we want to use instruction to help them to hate evil. They're going to see the law. They're going to see the truth. They want to hear it. They should hear it regularly. They should see it. That's what putting on the doorpost. Put it, see it. Why do you think the world doesn't want the Ten Commandments on the front lawn of the courthouse? They don't want to see it. They don't want to read it. They don't want to hear it. They don't want it. Certainly don't want to write it, but just seeing it is just too much for them. Read it, say it, hear it, write it. Reading it is seeing it. They should see truth in your house. Now, I don't know if my children read what's on our walls, but I put them on the walls for them to read. Not just decorative things. I put things on their wall for them to read. And at the end of our hall where all of my children were raised, there's a thing on the wall, boom, boom. That's a philosophy of life, of the dedicated Christian. You know, they walk into my dining room now, and they know. They even know when they want to give me a present that it's something. If they're going to put something on my wall, better say something worth saying. Because we want to read it, hear it. They're going to hear it. They're going to hear it from you. They're going to see it. I'm sorry. Hear it. Read it. Write it. Say it. There we go. I keep forgetting to say it. Let them repeat. My children heard something all the time. Be content with such things as you have. What are the verses they hear all the time? Be kind to one another. I think my wife still says that to them as adults if they start arguing it at a holiday. If you don't work, neither should you eat. They hear these things coming out of my mouth regularly, and they know I mean it. Okay? And they should say those kinds of things. And so we want to have them hate evil by seeing what is good. What does God love? Prudence. How can you instruct them in prudence? Remember, instruction is say it, see it, or read it, hear it, say it. I said say it again. I got to do these all in the same order or I get mixed up. Okay. How are you going to help them with prudence, with controlling their resources in a way that's good, careful, controlling themselves through instruction? Do we know how to instruct our children to do that? That's why chore charts and things like that are so valuable for children. 
Because what are they doing? They see it. They're reading the chore. They're hearing you say, did you do your chores? What's left? Write it. Make them make their own chore chart. That's what we tell the kids to do. Make a prayer chart. Make a chore chart. Make a take care of your pet chart. Those are some of their activities and we're life clubs. We're trying to help you develop things that could be just every day in your home. So they can learn prudence. Take care of your resources. Make your bed. It should be on your chore chart. Put a sticker there. Make a check mark. Put your initial there. Um, star, whatever. We want to have the disciplines of life, but we want to have this instruction. This is how. And we need to give them verses. We need to show them those things. We need to have things out there that talk about prudence in your life. Tell them things. Have them repeat it back to you. You need to control yourself. My grandkid has discovered Bambi. Okay? So how is Thumper's mom teaching Thumper how much of the clover he should eat? With a rhyme. With a rhyme. That one, who has to say the rhyme? Does mom say the rhyme? Thumper, repeat the rhyme you've heard from your dad. You've heard it. Rabbits don't read and write. Repeat it. Are your children repeating your instructions? Make them say it. Okay? Knowledge of the Holy One. How do we do that instruction-wise? We try to help you. We have Sunday school. We have junior church. We have... Um, we're a life club, but those are just a couple of opportunities. Um, you have opportunity to instruct them at home about who God is, what he is like. Oh, please take the time to instruct your children on who God is. Not just that God doesn't like that and God does like that, but how good he is. How can you be so unthankful toward a God who's done so much for you? about the gospel. They need to be taught these things. And this I don't think we're, we're as weak on. I think, I think most of you understand your role as a teacher to your children because most of you are homeschooling. We need to teach them more than just reading, writing, arithmetic. We need to teach them moral goodness and godliness and what is God like. They need to be taught theology. Study of God. That's all theology means. Quickly, we're going to, discretion. How do you teach discretion? By instruction. How do you instruct them in discretion? Any ideas? Well, that's what we just did, discipline. Now we're just uh, not, we're, we're going to <laughs> get away from the discipline. How do you just teach them to be discreet? Okay, explain to them that it is rude. Let them say it back to you. Even let them go home and write it down in a little book of things they should learn. What did you learn today? Write it down. I never did that, but some parents do that. And by the way, every child learns differently. So why do you use all four mechanisms? Because one of those, your child might learn faster by than another child. So you use all four so you can hit them all. How else do we instruct our children in discretion? Okay, 
when they fail, we instruct them, we sit them down. When they succeed, we recognize that. Thank you for waiting. I don't thank you for waiting if they've already interrupted me once. If they come up and they're standing there and I can see their face and my peripheral vision, I'm just ignoring them and they wait patiently and I get done with my conversation, I'll look at them and say, what do you need? Thank you for waiting. But what do we do to, to instruct them, to teach them point blank what is discretion? We need to tell them what rudeness is. Where do they best learn social discretion? Best place? At the dinner table. This is why you should have a meal to every day with your family, seated at the table at a set time. Remember, schedule discipline. And this is where you teach society. Discretion is all about engaging with people. This is where you learn it, is at the dinner table. What kind of activity do you allow at your dinner table? What kind of behavior, what kind of words, what kind of conversation do we have there? And we have a chance to teach what it means to be discreet. Don't be rude, don't make those noises, don't do that, don't do, and this is what we're, and we, so in my home, um, it's not just about consuming food. That can be done in literally a few minutes. Correct? How fast can your kids eat? <laughs> I've, I've seen some of your children eat, and it's like forever, an hour. Uh, but in my home, even when they were teens, they had to sit there, and you don't get up and just walk away because your plate's empty. This is, this is where we learn to be social. This is a, this is a setting where we instruct them on um, how to engage and have conversation. And this is where we do a lot of teaching in our home was at the table. This is where we review the day. This is where, and, and it's hard, and it's hard because when mom's not there, dad is silly. And I'll burp at the table that I would never do when mom's there. My kids all know that. Why do I do that? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. My children knew that if mom's at the table, they can't behave like that because dad won't behave like that when mom's at the table because mom is my social peer. How do you act, behave around your social peers? How do you behave around other children? Oh, you see how adults behave around other adults is, tells them something of how they should now, when, when they're children and I'm just messing around being silly with them, they recognize that's just being silly. And there's a, discrete, a time for that. And so we have these opportunities, but I, I'm a strong believer that we instruct in social skills at the dinner table. Because we have it regularly, we have it there, and we teach them by example we're going to get to. We teach them by our words, by our conversation, and that's a the, the very best social setting to teach. It's not the only one. I'm just, I'm just saying it's the best one. We're going to revisit this, go on to the AP in two weeks. Okay? We've gone really late. I'm not really that sorry you guys are... The kids are staying with me, so that's why I kept going. If they were all asleep, I would have quit 10 minutes ago. Any questions, comments? All right, let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you for your love for us. Thank you again for your word. 
And Lord, we want to bring it into our lives and into our children's lives. And we pray for our children that you might help them to be responsive. And Lord, we might uh, maybe think again about some of those old ways that our forefathers used to teach children the virtues of being godly and the wisdom that is there, and that we might implement that, that even these young children should learn these sayings and put them into practice, um, and that we might be more disciplined in how we uh, manage our homes to help them become wise. Lord, give us the wisdom ourselves to help our children grow in wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen.